We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, the big three era did not kick off the way we wanted it to. Double overtime loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers, 147-135. How are we feeling, Jack? I don't like sex. <laughs> yeah, and that has a lot to do with Colin Sexton, who just took over in that second overtime. Probably the best basketball of maybe his entire career. So congratulations to him and the win for the Cavs. Obviously, the Nets didn't perform to our expectations. But before we get into it, quick reminder, you can find us on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com, Pods, and netsrepublic.com. But, Jack, I guess where do you want to start with this one? You want to talk overtime, the beginning of the game, what? Yeah, I mean, we can get into the two double overtime, the double overtime and the OT. The OT, Nick, the Nets looked good. You know, we. Uh, I think it was the best defense for the entire game. That five-minute stretch, Kyrie Irving was stripping dudes. KD was making blocks. Jeff Green was making blocks. Joe Harris was showing his hustle. I thought that, you know, if they could have closed it out during that period, then I think that would have been a big sort of stretch for them. And unfortunately, it just couldn't happen. And the, the Cavaliers were able to keep it close. And Colin Sexton was able to do some very sexy things for the Cavs. And um, Kyrie Irving... Guarding him isn't necessarily the the number one defensive option that you want to have on him, but they got the switch, and, and he just cooked, man. He just cooked. Yeah, he really did. He went to work in that second overtime. Like you said, though, I thought the Nets really showcased some good possessions in that uh, first overtime. I think two that stuck out that were negative was uh, when the Cavs got the ball back, I think around like the 18-second mark, they were so worried about the three, they gave up a quick two, and it just allowed the Cavs to kind of cut that lead and keep that time up. And I get it, you don't want to foul in that situation, but you need to make them take a couple seconds off the clock because those couple seconds were really the difference in the game. And then the final possession, obviously I want Kevin Durant to shoot that shot, but it's just 
there's no play call, essentially. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like, hey, Katie, we're going to throw the ball as you're fading out of bounds and almost forcing you in a three-point line instead of giving him anything to work with. It's either like you have to get that ball to Kevin Durant when he has a great position or you have to set some type of screen to give him some type of separation. Yeah, the, it, it seems to me that the Nets were playing really lazy basketball, really yeah. lack of energy, really lack of engagement, and sort of just going through the motions. And look, you know, it's a it's a slog of a season, and it's hard for us, especially Nick, the fact that we do post game recaps after pretty much every game, not to try and take away too much from it. Yeah. But you know, you mentioned to me off the pot, I'm going to steal your stat that you know the Golden State and Miami Big Three also lost their first games when they were first debuting as a Big Three. I think that there was some positive signs, a lot of negative signs from this, especially the defensive end uh, and and the coaching and the rotation, but. Look, the Nets could have closed it out if they had got that Kyrie Irving foul call that was an offensive foul and turned into just an overturn, turned into a jump (laughs) ball. And then there was the James Harden travel as well that probably should have been called as a travel. So there was just a a lot of moments in this game that were up and down and Colin Sexton flying everywhere. And yeah, at the end of the day, it was just as the game went on, the Cavs stayed strong and the Brooklyn Nets faded away. Yeah, and I thought in the second overtime, the Cavs just had substantially more energy. You know, some of that's probably due to them not playing as many games as the Nets due to some of the COVID things and them just having games postponed and things along those lines. But also the fact that the Nets, you know, played their their big three a ton of minutes. You know, Kevin Durant played 50 minutes tonight, you know, 45 minutes for Jeff Green, 48 for Kyrie Irving, 50 for James Harden. And you look over at the Cavs side, not as many guys logging that high amount of minutes. Like Jared Allen was out there in the, the overtime, the double overtime, and he only played 31 minutes tonight. So he's feeling a lot fresher than what some of the other Nets are feeling. And Colin Sexton, too, only 38 minutes. No wonder he was kind of juiced up in the second overtime. It's a normal game where, you know what I mean, Kyrie hasn't played in two weeks, and Kevin Durant and James Harden still just came off another game and playing all these minutes. It's tough. And I think, you know, that had an impact in this one. Yeah, Toy and Prince, too. Uh, Toy yeah. and Prince had 32 minutes. And coming the last time he was 60% from three. Wish he had <laughs> done that for the Brooklyn Nets. But look, kudos to him for hitting some big shots to Jared Allen for when he got switched out. You know, he had some you know mistakes here and there, but uh, it was still weird seeing him out there in, in that maroon sort of uniform. But at the end of the day, he was the better player than Andre Drummond. He was more important. He led to winning plays. And when Andre Drummond was out there, um, you know, they were certainly stagnant. And, you know, he still had 26 minutes. He was minus five in those minutes. Jared Allen, 31 minutes and plus 10. So uh, at the end of the day, you play the better player. We discussed on the outlet before, who would you rather have, Jared Allen yeah. or Andre Drummond? I think Jared Allen is the, the pretty clear answer. Yeah, 100%. But, uh, Jack, where should we start? Obviously, the beginning of the game, it felt like, oh, my God, this might be some type of like historic game. The Nets, I think, hit their first 10 shots. They had four or five turnovers, but just every shot they were taking was going in, and the offense seemed really simple in terms of finding the looks that they wanted to get. And then throughout the game, it just kind of got more and more stagnant. And I don't want, I don't think it was really because guys were over-dribbling. I think it was just like guys were looking at each other and not knowing what to do and just like not having enough off-ball movement. Or you'd constantly see guys like cut to the same area or just kind of you know shrink the floor instead of expand it with all the talent they have. Yeah, they started 10 to 10, then went over 11. <laughs> so... <laughs> So it's a tough lead, the, the NBA. It doesn't matter how much talent you have, you still got to hit those shots. And look, 
the Cavs are a decent defense as well. I think that they're solid and they're going to probably be around that playing tournament, um, especially with Sexton. You know, they didn't have Darius Garland either. Larry Nance is a great defender, you know, and a really, really good um, sort of just quarterback. He, he does everything like a, a Draymond Green, a Kevin Durant. He just does everything uh, out there on the floor. But yeah, Nick, I, I thought that just the, the Nets looked slow. They were yeah. just, they didn't seem to have much purpose. Uh, at points like there were there was glimpses where it was just like oh the Nets went on like a, a 9-0 run or a 10-0 run or something but then it would be you know usurped by the Cavs going on like a 15-0 run or, or something like that you know after the Nets first lead 58-57 they didn't get the lead back until I think it was right at the end of the game where it was about 113 yeah. all um so yeah I think that they were just slack in, in a little respect and look it's going to happen you know that these sort of games they had their practice yesterday i'm sure that there was a lot of things and whether it's mental engagement physical engagement physical lethargy mental lethargy i think all of those factors certainly came in and i think steve nash didn't do a great job tonight either uh, the, the players themselves like you mentioned like it there weren't a lot of transition opportunities and, and when they, they didn't really create them, you know, James Harden didn't really need to seem to force the issue a lot. He was quite passive in the first half. Um, and, and I get it. Like, he, he's feeling his way out. He did have a triple-double um, and, and he was decent enough tonight. But, yeah, it just seemed to me that the Nets were just a, a touch off, a, a touch slow and reactive rather than proactive. Yeah, 100%. And obviously, it doesn't help that the Cavs shot 50% from three, which I, I doubt they'll do the entire season. Like, And I'm not trying to disrespect them. They're one of the worst offenses in the league, at least prior to the trade in terms of like offensive rating. But like you said, Jack, James Harden at times was very passive. I think uh, I tweeted out in the first quarter, his first six minutes, he didn't take a shot. He had four assists. You know what I mean? And I get it. Like That's a great skill that he has. And it felt like he was kind of concerned and trying not to step maybe on Kyrie Irving's toes. You know what I mean? Being his first game back with him, I feel like he's a little bit more comfortable with uh, Kevin Durant. And in this game, you can tell early on he was trying to force some passes to Kyrie to get him some shots early, obviously coming back from his absence. So maybe that was like part of the idea. But just the synergy and everything was just so off with them out there. And I think it's kind of expected. It's not like, you know, I think, you know, perfect world they come out and they play this magical game and they drop 150 points and shoot 60 percent from the field and 45 percent from three and everybody looks great and everybody has 30 points and seven assists or something like that but it's going to take time they need reps on the floor and they got a lot of reps tonight and they're going to see different looks and i thought it was a really clever job from the Cavs and uh, bickerstaff to put the zone out there like a team that doesn't have reps together like the zone defense is going to be very successful because they just don't know where guys are going to be and you can just they're going to be a step slow and that allows the Cavs to kind of recover and they did a nice job and like you said they have some quality defenders yeah jb bickerstaff clearly out coach steve nash tonight there's no doubt about that you know his rotations were much smarter his sets were much smarter he made the he made the nets you know play worse basketball whereas the the brooklyn nets made the Cavs play better basketball they made it easy for them to play tonight and yeah i, I don't know I, I thought Kyrie irving was really good i thought kevin durant was really good james harden was good in the second half um, he was the floor general. He's seeming to be going to play that point guard sort of floor general role going forward. So I think he's going to be averaging a lot of assists, but he needs to find that balance in terms of, you know, when to get his own shot at the same time, because, you know, the three point uh, shot was falling a little bit more tonight. Three of six from there did get to the free throw line, six of six from there as well. Um, but yeah, it, it just was a, a disjointed performance from the next from the Nets. And, you know, some of that was the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and a, and a heap of full credit goes to them, but a lot of it was the Brooklyn Nets seeming to just wanting the game to come to them rather than making the game, you know, uh, happen. 
Yeah, I think just like the one thing that stuck out to me was just like a, a lack of off-ball movement. Like a lot of guys just kind of standing around and being used to that and other guys moving around them. But given there's three stars, like they all have to kind of put into some work on that end, especially probably Kyrie Irving if James Harden's going to have the ball. You know, Kevin Durant did a good job. It just, there was just, it seemed like a lot of confusion. Like I said, it's kind of expected, but you mentioned Steve Nash and his coaching tonight. Uh, what were some of the issues you had with him, Jack? I think the main thing was the the, the minute allocation and the, and the lack of experimentation with that. Yes, there's only 12 players in the roster currently. Uh, and he, what he did say uh, was this to Matt Brooks and Nets Media. The second unit got beat up pretty good in the second quarter as one of the reasons for why the minutes for the Stars were so high. The second unit didn't perform tonight uh, the way we thought they, they could. Well, you didn't put Landry Shamit out there. Um, and, and I'm not necessarily sure why he was totally relegated out of the rotation. Yes, we did say that you know he was struggling a little bit to find his own, but you played nine guys and you played Bruce Brown seven minutes, you played TLC six uh, 12 minutes, and TLC takes six shots in those 12 minutes, and Bruce Brown doesn't take a shot at all. Yes, he was minus 11, but I think a lot of it was because um, James Harden was trying to get... He's trying to find these shots with TLC, and it's just like, dude... Just drive on them. Just just hit the floater. Do some pick and roll with Reggie Perry. Take some step backs. Play some heliocentric Houston Rockets style James Harden basketball. I don't understand why Bruce Brown got seven minutes. Why there was no Tyler Johnson. Why there was no Landry Shamit. Um, Steve Nash. That's a cop out answer in my eyes. Yeah, I think uh, with the TLC thing, he was he was pretty bad. Like he just he had a rough game, and there was points where he was just kind of taking too many shots. And with the Bruce Brown thing, I feel like this is a situation where Steve Nash needs to coach. Where I understand why he didn't want to play him because the Cavs went to the zone and it kind of takes away a player like that because he's not a floor spacer, so it's easy to defend. But you need to put him in a position or put him out there with different lineups when he's playing with Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, so it doesn't really matter. So I felt like it was just like you said, Jack kind of a lack of use of resources. Like, you just can't expect your players to play at that level. And I'm sorry, if your bench unit plays bad in the second quarter, it doesn't mean that they shouldn't play again in the rest of the game. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to get rhythm. It's, it takes time. You know what I mean? They might play bad in the first half, and they might play great in the second half. We've seen it happen a million times with a different, you know, set of players. I think, you know, there's are going to be limitations. Like, a guy like TLC, like you've mentioned, super streaky. You know, he's either very good or very bad, at least in terms of his offense. And tonight he was very bad. And Reggie Perry, I thought, you know, tonight was an example of him not being ready for NBA minutes. Just you know, just lacks a little bit of the length like we've talked about and just some of the know-how. And he just tried to force shots on Jared Allen. And it just really didn't make any sense. Like, you know this guy. You went up against practice. I'm sure he blocked your shot like a million times too. It's like, what are we trying to do here? I think Jared Allen probably blocked him like four times in this game. Yeah, Jared Allen was blocking a lot of people. We've seen that. He had four blocks tonight. A lot of those were certainly on Reggie Perry. But yeah, Honestly, it, it I would have been no... if they all were on Reggie Perry. Yeah, there was, seemed to be all in like two plays as well. You know, he yeah. got an offensive board and then he just blocked it again. He's just like, really, you're going back up against me, my dude? Uh, the Nets could have used a Jared Allen tonight. That is for sure because DJ wasn't feeling it either. The center rotation was awful and Jeff Green uh, and Joe Harris had to play those extended minutes. But I, I, I thought that was it, that was a, a big reason, Nick, because the more minutes you play, the tighter you get and the less yeah. you can execute. And the tighter you don't just get physically but mentally because you start to switch off everywhere. And it's just like... I'm just going to take this ISO jumper here like Kyrie Irving did a couple of times or uh, James Harden takes uh, four extra seconds to, to get into a set. Yeah. Uh, KD doesn't lay the screen uh, or whatever. I thought KD was probably our best player tonight. Um, but yeah, in saying that, I, I thought that... I don't understand what... I, I, I've said this, uh, copy and paste off whichever podcast I've said this on. 
what Bruce Byrne did in those seven minutes to relegate him completely out of the rotation from the second quarter onwards. Like, it's not like he was the reason why the Nets went down so big. I think it was a culmination of factors on the team. Like, Reggie Perry shouldn't be playing more minutes than Bruce Brown in any game this season. Yeah, it happened. I don't know, Nick. I don't know. Yeah, I think with that situation, it's just kind of he wanted to try to get center minutes out there, but I agree. I just don't understand not playing Bruce Brown, given he had such a big role in the Milwaukee Bucks win, you know, against one of the best teams in the league. And I think in this situation, I get it. You want to play Joe Harris, but I think maybe down the stretch at times, you might want to go with Bruce Brown. You know what I mean? Add some defense in there. You have a ton of offensive talent, and you obviously needed somebody to stop Colin Sexton. It was just kind of strange. And I also like, I thought maybe even just resting Kyrie for the second overtime and maybe playing Bruce Brown in his place, just given, you know, Kyrie's been out two weeks and he's, he's almost played 50 minutes tonight. And obviously Bruce Brown would give you some much needed energy. It was just, the rotation was really weird. It was almost, it was very Mike D'Antoni-esque. Yeah, and look, I think Mike D'Antoni is having a big say with the addition of James Harden probably right now. I would probably say that would be relatively true in some respects. And yeah, I think that down the stretch, and Colin Sexton is starting to cook you, you can sub in offense to defensive possessions. And while it might be you know, not necessarily the best thing for Kyrie Irving to be like, oh, well, why are you taking me out for? I'm a superstar. Well, you're getting cooked by Colin Sexton now, my dude. The dude that you got traded for, or the pick you got traded for, uh, for with Boston. And it's just like, I agree, Joe Harris or Kyrie Irving shouldn't have been out there for certain possessions. Well, even Harris Jack, was... just the last possession of regulation, or was it overtime? It's so confusing. But when Colin Sexton hit the big three, you know what I mean? It was coming out of a timeout. And I thought in my head, like, yeah, I get it. It's superstars. But like, I, and I was thinking to myself, maybe I'm just so used to the Nets not having superstars that I'm so used to the offensive defensive switches. And I just felt like in that situation, why not? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed put Bruce Brown out there to like or just put all your best defensive players out there yeah I mean Bruce Brown is our second first defensive best defensive player you know Jeff Green Kevin Durant Bruce Brown those are our defenders right now the rest of them are good or average or worse and Corey Irving wasn't his normal engaged self on that end of the floor he got cooked a lot tonight um, and, in, you know, Colin Sexton was making the most of that as well. Uh, I'm not saying that Bruce Brown would have totally changed the result, but, you know, he provides a little a, a level of intangible energy that can lift the team in certain respects. And like you said, Nick, in the last game against one of the best teams in the East, if not one of the best teams in the league, he provided that spurt and gave us momentum uh, with offensive board. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
I have pen fed, that's a fact. I have pen fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. And such. And Joe Harris did that a couple of times, yeah. but you know his shot wasn't on tonight. And, and, and it's not necessarily... Uh, I thought Cleveland defended him well. I did also think that Joe Harris took some poorer shots. Um, I, I thought he forced it a, a little bit too much, and I, and I get, you know, just letting it go. You're a flamethrower, but you know, two of seven for, th- for tonight, including two of ten from the field. Um, this was probably Joe Harris's worst game of the year. Yeah, I felt like he was just a little out of rhythm, and it's also due to the fact that he's probably touching the ball substantially less. Like, and not to say that he's a high usage rate player, but he's still used to kind of seeing the ball move around the perimeter and getting his hands on it a little bit. You know what I mean? During a regular set for the net, so a little bit tougher, and then coming off the bench, you know. It's going to be an adjustment period for everybody. As soon as they figure it out, though, it's just going to be so crazy and so stuff to stop. And you see flashes of that during the game where, you know, it's it's a play between Kyrie and Kevin Durant or between uh, James Harden and Kevin Durant or something along those lines. Or just the fact that, like, Kyrie Irving had that wide open three in the first quarter just because they were sending so much help to Kevin Durant. Or DeAndre Jordan just being able to cash in on free lobs. Like, that was something that, you know, we just, I think it was his career highs and that is like 16. He had 13 tonight. So nothing too crazy there, but just kind of figuring out the system. And I think like another idea for the Nets is if they're not going to be really good in terms of playing straight up defense, which I'm not sure they will be because they lack some of the talent on that end of the floor. Maybe it's time to play some aggressive style of defense, especially against some of these bad teams and force them to make mistakes. Like the Cavs are literally playing possessions without point guards and the Nets did nothing to pressure them and make life difficult. Like Colin Sexton didn't play the entire game and like Damian Dotson was running the show and like he's not a natural point guard. Yeah, they were giving them just too much space. You know, too much space yeah. to get into sets, too much. Even like Colin Sexton hitting three after three after three. Like he yeah. had too much space hitting those shots and that's on Kyrie Irving a lot of those sort of possessions and, and he sort of said uh, to Chris Mulholland um, he was sort of saying I was smiling when Colin Sexton was making those shots it was just one of those nights yeah it was Kai but you know you can also get a little bit closer there and, and make things a little bit tougher for him you know they had a nice little back and forth battle from you know that that, that foul that we mentioned earlier and going yeah. forward but yeah I thought that you know his defense wasn't great tonight um, and he got cooked a lot um, and, and and the defense in general was just not engaged at all, and it's going to be continue to be a problem. And look, every national podcast is going to speak about it. <laughs> We're probably going to speak about it for the next sixty games until it finally gets tuned in. But right now, Nick, I thought the Nets played maybe three minutes of what. 58 minutes of, of, of out of 58 minutes tonight and, and like i mentioned in that small period in the first ot where they looked good they looked engaged it looked like they had the the, the the mental engagement they looked like they wanted to play defense they wanted to make it tough for the Cavs. but um other than that it was just like uh these are the cleveland they didn't show them the respect that they deserved i don't think nick yeah, I didn't think the energy level, like I said earlier, was high enough. And I think we've talked about this a lot with these, you know, I'm not going to call the Cavs a bad team because I don't think they're a bad team. I think they're like closer to mediocre or below average of anything. And I think like you, like you said, Jack, they didn't show them respect in like, 
you allow them to hit shots early, they're just going to be comfortable. And this is a thing that's happened to the Nets. It happened in the Hornets game. It happened in the Wizards game. It's cool. You can turn up and play defense for the last two minutes, but when they're already hot, it doesn't really matter. And like I alluded to earlier, like shooting 50% from three, they were feeling really comfortable. And I'd guess that, you know, more than half of those looks had space. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I, I I think that there was not. Uh, it was just an incredible lack of uh, incredible disengagement or incredible just lack of willingness and being like, ah, oh, you know what? We got three superstars on this roster. We'll close it out, and that is going to work. You know, on some occasions. It almost um, worked tonight. <laughs> it did almost work tonight. They played you know about ten minutes of basketball and almost got the win. But the Cleveland Cavaliers were uh, were just too good. You know, Larry Nance, Chetty Osman, Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro. These sort of guys are basketball players. They're quality basketball players when they need to be. Then all of them, apart from Andre Drummond and Isaac Okora, were positive and plus minus. Whereas the Nets had DeAndre Jordan was plus zero, um, and, and and Kevin Durant plus two. And Durant, I think DeAndre Jordan was out there in some like sort of big runs when the Nets were getting some momentum. But Kevin Durant was quite easily the best player for the Brooklyn Nets tonight. Four blocks for him as well. Yeah, I mean the two-way ability from KD is just very apparent. You know what I mean? There was a couple of mistakes there and a couple of times to get caught on screens and, you know, blown off the ball or his communication wasn't as good. But in comparison to the other nets, it was fine. You know, they're just going to need everyone to get locked in on that end of the floor. The communication level, I think, is going to just get, have to get a lot higher. I thought the only positive thing I'll say I saw on the defensive end was they did a good job switching off ball a couple times where, like, Kyrie got switched on to Andre Drummond or something, and Jeff Green would swoop over James Harden, Kevin Durant. But, like, that's fine. That's only one step of the defense. It's a process. It's going to take work, and you have to build these habits. And the Nets just don't have them right now. And it's, some of it's just a lack of also, like, good role players. Yeah, definitely. And I think in saying that during those switches, Nick, it gave the opportunity for Cleveland to have a little bit of extra space to yep. either attack or step back and, and, and reset their offense. Gotta and be crispy. Kai wasn't good yeah, Kai wasn't clean enough with those switches. Um, and while, you know, it, it was it's the right decision because, you know, it, it's happened to Landry Shamet, you know, time after time this season, getting cooked by whoever it is in the post, Nicola Jokic or, or Brooke Lopez or whoever else it is. But I thought that there was the right decisions, but the execution wasn't 100%. It was 75-80. And, you know, and when you're playing NBA basketball, you've got to be switched on for 48 minutes. It's not 58 minutes. And, you know, the, the Nets had runs tonight, Nick, but it wasn't good enough. And look, to touch more on Kevin Durant, 38 points, 12 of 25 from the field, 39 from three, got to the line 13 times. I thought his purpose there was really great. 12 boards, eight assists, a steal and four blocks. And that Chetty Osmond block, Nick, that deserved to be cleaned up. And then it, it ended up in like an offensive board and, and a bucket for the Cavs. That, that was really disappointing to me yeah. because I think it's going to go to the wayside because that block was like yeah, LeBron James and Andre Iguodala. It was vintage. But, yeah, it, it, there was just not enough. It was individually. Indi the Nets played like a bunch of individuals tonight rather than a team. And the Cleveland Cavaliers played like a team, and they had their superstars step up when the moments mattered. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I felt like it was just a lot of Nets players out there, and there was just they lacked the cohesion and chemistry. And like I said, you know, it's something to kind of expect in their first game together. Hopefully it gets better, and they can kind of find some things. And even Steve Nash, I think, is somewhat confused because the way he staggered the minutes in the first half for the three stars was different than the way he staggered them in the second half. You know, he I think he elected to pull James Harden early and have him run the second unit in the first half. Yep. And in the second half, he pulled Kyrie early. I don't know if that was something due to – you know, his minute restriction or anything, but I doubt that's in place given he played 48 minutes. So I think it's like a, it's a feel for him too. And I feel like for Steve Nash, it reminded me 
of earlier in the season where he wasn't really coaching and he was kind of just watching things and letting it play out. And I don't know if that's done purposely and trying to just get a feel for the guys and then he'll jump in after two or three games. But maybe he felt like he wanted to give them an opportunity to kind of fix things on their own and they didn't do that tonight. Yeah, look, I know I understand that to an extent. But also, you know, you are paid to coach. No, yeah, 100%. Just... And I'm not defending the rotations. I'm just saying in terms of, like, the timeouts with the stars. Yeah, yeah. No, look, and then there were times where, like, you know, the timeouts were called out and relevant. And I think timeouts are, are probably the, the least thing in, in my worries about Steve mm-hmm. Nash and, and what he needs to do uh, as a head coach. But, yeah, if, if this happens, you know, in game two against the, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, Nick, and, you know, we see the rotation have uh, you know really mismanagement a real mismanagement again and you know we don't see Landry Shaman experimented with or Tyler Johnson experimented with or Bruce Brown experimented with you know this is a season where you can go 10 11 deep because you know w- what is stopping you like I-, I don't understand why a lot of coaches are just like nah it's 9 or 10 and, and we can't go any deeper than that look if you're going to play Bruce Brown 7 minutes at least give Tyler Johnson 7 minutes or Landry Shamit 7 minutes and see if those 7 minutes are going to be positive on the offensive end so I-, I just don't think Steve Nash did enough tonight like you mentioned Nick he just he was an observer rather than a head coach and that's fine because you have superstars that are as intelligent uh, and as talented as Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. But they also need some help out there with putting lineups out there to help them succeed and you know, not necessarily going above and beyond with them. You know, Kyrie Irving had a little bit of a tweak of the ankle. He seemed fine after that. But I wonder if he's going to pull up pretty sore and he misses the back-to-back or you know, Kevin Durant doesn't play again because he played 38 minutes against the, the Milwaukee Bucks. I think the guy that I'm confident with playing like, you know, 800 minutes in three games is James Harden. That dude just like plays. He'd be probably playing another game of basketball afterwards if they had a back-to-back and a back-to-back after that. He just, he's going to lead the league in minutes, I'm going to guess, Nick. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he played pretty high minutes just given the lack of other talent on the team unless they make a move. But Jack, any like big takeaways you have from this game or nothing really just given it's only one game and this is still a very, very fresh situation, even for the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving dynamic, you know, for how many games they play together. It hasn't necessarily been a ton either. No, there's the Nets have undergone change after change after change. And, and, and a lot of other teams have had a semblance of stability, you know, guys in and out with health and safety protocols, trades here, trades there. Um, so it is hard to get a read on this team. You know, we can't get a read on them after one game. I think the team, the, the questions that are going to pertain are going to pertain for probably another 5 to 10, 20 games. And if after that the Nets are still playing horrible defense, Steve Nash still doesn't have a, a deeper rotation. Sean Marks still hasn't added another center, another wing, another ball handler, or, or whatever else he wants to add to this roster, then that's when you start to go, all right, what's going on with this uh, organization right now? They've got the superstars there, but um, it, talent is one thing. Uh, everything else needs to come together as well. Uh, a lot of the time, you know, uh, that talent can get you over the mark, and it almost did tonight, as we've mentioned before, but, you know, it's not going to work for a 72-game season, and it's not going to work in the postseason either, where the talent is going to be even greater, and the Nets are going to have to actually perform um, on both ends of the floor. You know, giving up 147, well, it was like, like 113 or 115 or something like that um, before OT against the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, a team that's been struggling offensively. It happened against the Orlando Magic. Uh, again, the Nets just aren't a good defensive team, um, and that is going to um, be a, a key factor going forward. I Like you mentioned, Nick, I like how you sort of saw those rotations and, and the switching and stuff that was there, but it wasn't there to its fullest extent. So 
it's going to be a process, but it's a process that needs to be executed sooner rather than later. Yeah, 100%. And I think really the only way to make up for bad individual defensive talent is playing great team defense. You know what I mean? And having that cohesion, having that chemistry and helping each other when needed. And like we've talked about before, they've had trouble finding that balance of helping, overhelping and not helping. You know, it's not like they've they've really been on par with that. But Jack, like you've kind of mentioned, they play this team again on Friday, you know, again in Cleveland. Do you think we'll be able to have bigger takeaways given it's the second time they're going to face the same team or they're still going to kind of, I don't want to say get a pass, but still we have the understanding that it's early for this group. Oh, the Nets need to play a better basketball, Nick. Simple as that. They need to be better defensively. They need to have better engagement, better intensity. You know, they, they need to be mentally switched on, physically switched on. And look, it's going to be hard because it's only like a day off and then, or a day or two off, and then they have to pick up and go again uh, against the Cleveland Cavaliers team that is feisty and, and wanting to, to make things tough. And they're well coached right now by JB Biggerstaff. They have an identity you know, formed around their backcourt and some good defensive pieces. And they added an, an, an even better defender at their back line. You know, you got Jared Allen and Larry Nance Jr. helping the front line there. That's a, that's a pretty damn fearsome de- defensive backcourt, uh, frontcourt, sorry. So, And then look, you got the, Colin Sexton, point of attack. Like, he's a, you know, high-energy defender. I know he still has some things to learn. And Asuka Koro, too, high-energy guy. He just He just doesn't really understand defensive positioning yet. But when he does, he'll be a really good defender, too. Yeah, the Nets are, are going to have to grind it out. You know, there's going to have to be games where it's not my turn, your turn sort of thing. Look, Kyrie Irving was incredible, especially at certain points in the first half where he was just getting to points and sort of breaking the zone down with his shot making. I think James Harden needs to be a little bit quicker in his decision making. I think that the offensive identity of the, the Nets early on was like, let's get into some sets early. Let's move this ball early. Let's get into transition. And I think that they went against, not, maybe not went against those principles, whether it was partly they didn't execute uh, their own principles or the Cleveland Cavaliers didn't let them execute those principles. It's probably both, but I think some of it is on the Nets not actually going, all right, let's try and get some easy buckets here. Let's move this ball here because... You know, I take notes on every single game, Nick, and I note like the there was a really, really awesome offensive play where the ball just moved. There was a handoff to Kai. Every single person touched it, and Joe missed the three. It went yep, in and I out. I know exactly what you're talking about. Those are the sorts of plays that need to happen more often because this team is going to be... If you revert to ISO... ISO offense, you're making it easier for the defense. You're bailing them out. Whereas if you move that ball and find an open shot for Harden, KD, Jeff Green, whoever else it is on the of our top five, then it's just like, okay, we're making them work. We're making the defenders run around and catch us. And we're also getting open shots. I just thought that the Nets didn't generate enough open shots tonight. Yeah, they didn't play off of each other. And like you said, Jack, I think the decision-making was a step slow from everybody. You know, there was a lot of times where guys had like a semi-open look and they didn't know if they should shoot it or they should pass it. And then they ended up getting a worse look. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's just like pull the trigger, especially with that offensive talent. So see what happens, see what they can do. I have a feeling that they'll probably put it together a lot better, at least offensively in the next game. You'll see some sets. You'll see some cohesion. These guys, even though they have off uh, one day, I wouldn't be surprised if they discuss some things that they could do on the court together. they just be a little bit more successful out there. And I'd anticipate them winning the next game. I think I'd be, I don't want to say concerned, but I'd have a slight concern if they were to lose the next game if all the guys are playing or at least two or three of them are. 
Yeah, look, I, I think Steve Nash needs to change something. I think the players need to change something as well. Changes need to be made to, to going forward. You know, uh, these back-to-backs give you an opportunity to go, all right, this is where the Cleveland Cavaliers really hit us. Colin Sexton is awesome. Yep. Darius Garland is likely to be back. He was questionable tonight, and that's only going to strengthen their backcourt. You take away minutes from Damian Dotson, who is a good player, and he shots he's a gunner but Darius Garland is a much more settled guard and, and Sexland have have great chemistry going forward so it's going to make things tougher you know Kyrie Irving and James Harden you know I thought James Harden what did you think of his performance tonight Nick you know I think he had good moments but it just kind of he wasn't really James Harden at different points you know what I mean the scoring wasn't there and then you saw I think like Katie and Kyrie both had like 20 and James Harden had 14 you know what I mean? And like, he's just as good a scorer as, you know, Kyrie probably, maybe not as good as Kevin Durant, but probably pretty close in that level. So it's just like, I think there was a couple times where I wanted him to attack a little bit more. Like if he has a mismatch on the perimeter, just take him to the lane, especially when they're playing that small ball lineup. Uh, the step back three is great and all. And I think the step back three towards the end of regulation, I didn't necessarily love, especially nah. with the matchup he had, but you know, you're going to hate it. You're going to love it because that's the type of shot it is. You know what I mean? But I think at times like, he has to understand who he's playing with. And really, there's always going to be room in the lane. And if there's not, he's probably going to hit Kyrie or KD for an open shot or Joe Harris. Yeah, look, uh, I'm fine with him, you know, trying to get guys open and, and be a sort of utilitarian point guard and that sort of thing. And get, you know, your 12 assists, you know, he's been getting dimes aplenty. But I also, if he is going to do that and not look for his own shot, then the shot that I want him to look for is just get to the line. Like, you know, yeah. if it's just like, all right, well, the ball isn't fizzing around here. I'm just going to attack here because he can get to the line at will. He should be having eight or nine free throws minimum a night. I want to see him in double digits. So for me, six isn't enough for him. Because he is a guy that, you know, do his foul hunting sort of BS. You know, I hated it when I wasn't a Brooklyn Nets fan and a James Harden fan. But right now, he should be the one getting 13 free throws, not Kevin Durant. Because Kevin Durant's the guy coming off the Achilles injury. Kevin Durant's the one that should be have the the, the more timid uh, mentality. The easiest life, yeah. Yeah, and, and he's the one that is showing the greatest purpose and is leading this team on both ends of the floor. You know, it, we're leaving too much of this game to, to Kevin Durant to sort of just bail us out. You know, James Harden needs to show more purpose, show more aggression uh, in being more selfish. I said it, you know, at this... I think uh, that's like coaching staff too. And maybe some of his teammates encouraging him and saying, hey, James, we brought you here to be James Harden. You know, you, you don't have to kind of step back for anybody. Obviously, there's possessions where we're going to need you to hit players. But even again, like five turnovers, and I thought some of the turnovers was him just trying to overpass a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and especially when if... The rotation is going to be somewhat similar, you know, and James Harden does happen to play with the second unit more than, say, Kyrie Irving does. Kyrie Irving does a good job of getting his own shot. Like, yeah. he's doing he do, he's doing it better than James Harden is right now. And James Harden has done that for, like, what, six, seven, eight seasons in Houston. Dude, just do that same thing when you're playing with some scrubs out in the bench. Uh, and I'm not calling, you know, TLC and, and Reggie Perry, those guys, scrubs. But they are not to the level, like, you, you've played with role players in you've think for do it again uh just with the second unit because uh, against a damian dotson uh, against a, a toyan prince uh, isaac okoro these guys out in the second unit you should be cooking those dudes you're james freaking harden yeah even like you said jackie that's a little foul hunting with the second unit i don't really care do what you got to do but also i guess we should shout out jeff green who thought actually he was one of the better nets tonight. He did a really good job out there. Hit a lot of big shots, obviously, one of the biggest threes of the game. And defensively, 
He showcased again his switching ability to defend, you know, guards and centers. I was really impressed with Jeff Green once again. He's going to be a crucial part for this team. I am getting a touch concerned about his minutes, but I'm getting a touch concerned about everybody's minutes at this point. It's weird. Like, I, I am concerned about the minutes load in general. And Kevin Durant has a quote on that that I'll bring to you in a second, Nick. But Jeff Green just looks fit as hell. Yeah. He, he I just mean, he is like 34, he, though. I know that that's the only thing. Like, but sometimes you go, oh, he's 34. But, like, you know, we would love to see what the, the the Lakers are doing with LeBron James right now. You know, lowest minutes of of his career for for five or six seasons, but they also have an incredibly deep rotation that allows them to do that. And they have a guy called Anthony Davis who isn't too bad. But the Nets need Jeff Green. Like he's yeah. their best five right now. And you know, in closing lineups and in, and in key minutes, we need Jeff Green to be playing because it can't all be left to Kevin Durant. Because DJ has one good game, he's going to have probably five poor games because he's. Uh, we can get to him in a little bit, but I, I guess this point I wanted to bring to you from Chris Mulholland, Nick. Kevin Durant on playing 50 minutes tonight. I felt like I could have played another 20 minutes. That's good to hear, at least. Yeah, I mean, and also, I, I think the players are typically going to say that, unless they're really hurting, but it is good to hear. Because I want to say, like, I recall Wesley Matthews, when he first recovered from his torn Achilles, complaining about being sore after playing, like, big minutes and stuff. I don't know if it's, like, a personality difference, or maybe it's just the fact that Kevin Durant had 18 months to recover and didn't rush back at all. Yeah, I think that it's probably a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B. But yeah, I thought that James, uh, Jeff Green was great tonight. You know, he was hitting every single jumper that he had. He was the he was the next star when uh, we didn't necessarily expect him to be. And there he is, an incredibly, incredibly important piece of this team. You know, the evergreen content that we'll keep saying is like, you know, the best vet minimum signing in the NBA is Jeff Green. You know, how many guys are closing, how many vet minimum guys are closing stretches and closing games at the five for the for the uh, a team that has championship aspirations? Um, him and him and Kevin Durant uh, are, are so damn important to our defense, especially because our center rotation is very, very poor right now. Yeah, it's like you have so much versatility with those two, and then like you, the rest of the roster, there's issues with versatility. I think James Harden's defensive versatility isn't too bad either. You know, no one will really probably give him props on that end of the floor, but I think he does an okay job for the most part. But it's like the other guys, when Kyrie Irving isn't really versatile in terms of defense, like he can defend a one, maybe defend a two. And you know what I mean? Like you can't really ask much for him and DeAndre can guard fives and that's it. So like that's where you kind of get put into some of these tough situations. But Jack, any other player you want to talk about? Look, I just wanted to touch on uh, the fact that, like, you know, Nets fans are probably in a frenzy. We are somewhat because we're fans and fanatic fan. You know, it's, it's where the word comes from. But Kevin Durant, James Harden uh, are saying all the, the right things, you know, but there's a long season ahead of us. Keep plugging away. James Harden saying, you know, great glimpses. You know, we've just got to figure out how to get shots when we, when we need to. We're going in the right direction. So, look, it's going to be a feeling out process, as you alluded to, Steve Nashnick. It's going to be the same with the players. You know, as much as these guys are friends and they have a desire to want to be there and want to succeed, it takes time. Rome wasn't built in a day, as the saying goes, and uh, neither is a championship winning team. Yeah, and I think, you know, Richard Jefferson on the broadcast talked about just the amount of basketball IQ the Nets have in the building. From Kyrie to James Harden to Kevin Durant to Steve Nash to Jacques Vaughn to Mike D'Antoni to May Adoka. You know what I mean? Like, there's just so many smart basketball minds that... I'm pretty confident they'll figure it out. And I had a, I had a feeling they were probably going to lose this game. 
Just given like what I mentioned to you before with, you know, the Miami Heat big three losing their first game, the Golden State Warriors losing their uh, first game. Like it happens. You know, it's not the end of the world. It's not like they lost a playoff series and they're going home. Like and the Cavs came with some gas. You know what I mean? And also, let's not forget, this is Jared Allen, Torian Prince's former team. Like usually guys are going to play a little bit harder and the Cavs wanted to be the spoiler tonight. And the, the Nets really didn't care as much about winning as the Cavs did. And that was pretty apparent by the energy level. So I'm not going to get too sick over this game. If, if they go on a losing streak or something, yeah, I might be worried. Or if they have a really bad performance in the next game, I'll have some concern. But still, like you kind of mentioned, we're not really going to know much about this team for 10 to 20 games, most likely. Yeah, look, thing, things are going to... Kinks need to be worked out on, on both sides of the floor. I think the offense will eventually find a flow, like we mentioned. There were some looks tonight that looked really, really good. You know, you look at the film, you, you ice up, you, you recover, and hopefully you bounce back with a, a, a greater engagement and a greater mentality to want to succeed and go, all right, these guys, we've got to give them our best because when you are this sort of team, you are the villains of the league. Every team is going to want to beat you. Yep. You know, Colin, the, uh, guys that have like that sort of killer mentality, Colin Sexton's got that. He's a Cooper. Yep. He's got that sort of mentality. And there's always one or two guys on every other team, whether it's in Atlanta or Detroit or these sort of teams, they're going to bring their A game to you because they lift to your level because that you, you get the headlines. Oh, the, the giant has been fallen. You know, the David and Goliath narrative. So it's going to be this sort of season, Nick. And look, the Nets are performing against the good teams. They're not performing against the bad teams. Uh, I, I, hopefully there is that balance, but, you know, balance isn't necessarily found in 16 games. Hopefully by around game 30 or so, we can go, all right, this team is settled. We know what the rotation is. Sean Marks has added some guys. The minutes have lessened. Bruce Brown is actually playing again. Um, hopefully there is a, a semblance of stability going forward. But, you know, it, it's hard because you you want you know what this team can be. And as a fan, we want that right away. You know, we're insatiable, uh, especially as Nets fans. We've gone through 12 and 70. We've gone through, you know, the, the dire, dire years. And now we have, you know, the, we're on the precipice of something big, something special. We want it to happen right away. But... Um, sometimes patience is a virtue, and I think we all need to remember that sometimes. Yeah, 100%, Jack. And I think also this is, I don't want to say some of the concern, but some of the downfall of trading for James Harden before the uh, in, during the season instead of before the offseason. You know what I mean? You have to do it on the run. Lack of practice time, all the COVID protocols, like things are just going to be tougher. It might take a little bit more time. And like you said, the Nets have been playing pretty well against the good teams. The bad teams, they you know typically do worse against. And the good thing is there will only be good teams in the playoffs. Look, Kevin Durant made a really good point. He's he's seeming to be like, you know how LeBron James remembers plays and goes, all right, did, yep. uh, and he has like a photographic memory. Kevin Durant did, did the same thing with um, when pointing out Colin Sexton was one of six from three before he hit the triple that tied the game. And I'm just like, I didn't even know that. And, and him pointing out things, you know, to guys like Alex Schiffer and, 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 the, and the Nets media makes me go, damn, sometimes basketball, you just get hot. Um, and the hot hand is, is real. And I mean, uh, even at, Colin Sexton is just not even that amazing at three-point shot. I know he had a better season last year, but the year before he wasn't amazing. And coming out of college, that was some of the downfall in his game. So like, I don't even know if he ever hit four straight threes in his entire career. Like I'd have to double check that. I, I probably doubt it to be honest, especially in that type of you know situation, but credit to him and the improvements he made. And, you know, he, he gave the Nets his best shot tonight and it was good enough to get the W and the Nets didn't give their best shot. They probably kind of gave a half-ass punch if you ask me, but anything else you want to touch on Jack? Now, nah, look, Nick, you know, it's uh, 16 games in, 56 in the regular season to go. Hopefully many, many, many more in the postseason. 
it's it's frustrating um but at the end of the day the uh, I'll, I'll see to what the players are feeling right now. And if KD and James Harden are feeling all right, and Kai's feeling all right as well, uh, I, I, I think Kai is... Uh, what I just hope for him is similar to, like, a lot of people were sort of saying about, like, Kevin Rand, how he didn't feel that level of sort of... In Golden State, you could just tell. He didn't feel the level of satisfaction in, in just of where he was uh, in terms of his career and in, in terms of where his life was. And not, not to say that, like, you know, it's not awesome to win championships, it's not awesome to win finals MVPs, but there was, you could just tell, there was something missing. And uh, it seems to me that Kevin Rant right now is loving basketball, is loving life yeah. as a Brooklyn Net. And I'm not saying that's because, you know, yay Nets, we're, we're subjective Nets fans, but you see these videos and stuff. You, you, you see him, yeah, Nets world, yes, sir. That's like, uh, and that's the sort of thing you, you love to see. And James Harden sort of, you know, pumping up Kyrie Irving. That's a video. Yeah. Those two videos I've watched like 80, I think it's got like 50,000 or 100,000 views. I've probably watched it 99,000 times myself. It's, it's something that I'm enjoying seeing because I think James Harden and Kevin Durant are going to have to lead this team because Kyrie Irving is going to figure some stuff out. I thought Howard Beck did a really good job on his podcast with Chris Mannix, sort of analyzing a, a lot of the comments that he made to, to the Nets media the other day. Christian Winfield did a really good job with his piece on uh, the New York Daily News. Look, Kyrie Irving is going to have to figure his stuff out, and we wish him well. You know, not just as a basketball and as everyone in 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 the in the world today, we are similar. We are, we are empaths, but empathetic by nature, and we want everyone else to have good energy, good vibes going forward. We're on and off the basketball court. So, Kyrie was incredible. He could put up forty points in his sleeper. It doesn't matter who's defending him, but I hope he's doing good on and off the court as well. Because yeah, we saw some posts, some Instagram posts for him as well. You know, it's a, it's a process. He's 28 years old. We all figure our own shit out uh, in a certain sort of process. And uh, I'm sure Kai's going to be okay. He's got the support of his teammates. He's got the support of leadership and, and the coaching staff. And uh, yeah, we just wish every Brooklyn that well, including Kyrie Irving. Yeah, 100%. And obviously first game back, like you said, he can still score the basketball. I think, you know, it's still tough if, you know, I don't know what he's dealing with, but obviously it's something that's bothering him and forcing him to be out. And that's going to take a toll on you mentally. You know, some of the mental aspect of the game might be a little bit more difficult where scoring a basketball is almost like a distraction and second nature to him because he's been doing it for so long. So I think some of the other stuff could be hard, you know, at this point when he's focusing on other things. But that's for another day. We don't know the details of the situation, but always a pleasure, Jack. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. And, you know, hopefully next game we get to talk about a big three win. That's world. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 